Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar podcast. My name is Simon Bromley, I'm a senior technical writer for BikeRadar.com and today I am fortunate to be joined by Sam Chalice, BikeRadar.com's technical editor and Stan Portis, BikeRadar.com's digital writer. How are you doing guys? Okay, thank you. Yeah, very nice good. Nice to join you chaps today. Cool. Well, Les, lovely to be here as usual. And today is a road discussion day. So we're going to talk about the new Orbea Orc Aero, which we recently published both a review on BikeRadio.com and on our YouTube channel. And it's a kind of interesting bike with a few kind of quirks and a few interesting features. So we thought it warranted a bit of a more kind of informal, wider discussion. Now... To kick things off, lads, obviously I've ridden this bike, I've reviewed it, and you haven't. But the kind of key talking point I think most people see at first glance is the kind of aero water bottle slash down tube storage box. So, you know, what what do you guys what did you guys think of those things at first glance? So you want to talk about the aero water bottles first, maybe? Because or water bottle, isn't it? Just the one. Um I think it's a really good feature, although bmc's take on it is a little more practical i think for for normal riders um and pros for another on a number of levels you you're not limited to a certain type of bottle plus you can't you can fit more bottles on a bike um i guess there's a question of whether or bear's design is faster but i'd imagine both brands could prove that their design was faster depending on how they exactly they test but, um given the difference is pretty negligible anyway in the real world 
probably makes more sense for me to go to towards BMC's more practical solution. I don't know what you guys think. I th- I think one of the most uh you know, as soon as you see the bike, it's really striking. It's a really funky, crazy looking bike. And that's mostly to do with the down tube box and the aero water bottle. Um, and I, th- I think as soon as we saw the pictures of the bike and we put it on social media and put our first news story up, that was kind of what people immediately reacted to is like, here's something that looks really different. Um, so I think I think the first thing that's kind of striking about the bike as a whole is it's aesthetic rather than necessarily any performance claims attached to those um, features. And I think there's a, there's potentially a bit of a, a trade off in people's minds between, do you want something that looks that funky and it's going to look that wild and draw that people's attention? Or do you really want to, do you want, do you want those features to save those watts? Yeah, and I think so. For those who don't know, the the Orbea Orca Aero is a kind of you know brand new Aero road bike, and and it kind of looks very much like their the brand's Ordu time trial slash triathlon bike. And so the Aero bottle and the down tube storage box are very kind of like triathlon style. And and I think for a lot of you know traditional roadies, that as you say, Stan, that is, that aesthetic is not you know it's not cool right but like for me I, I i thought the down tube storage box was really good you know i always carry a saddlebag because i don't want to carry spare tubes and multi-tools and things like that in my jersey pockets and so the down tube storage box just kind of negated any need to to carry a saddlebag which was quite nice you know orbea says it also makes the bike a little bit more aero that's presumably because it acts as a kind of fairing between the front wheel and the rear and the kind of rear part of the bike. So I can believe that. So for me, there wasn't any downsides to the storage box. Um, I, I didn't really mind the way it looked. Now, the water bottle functionally, I don't think is as is as easy to use as standard water bottles. Now, if you you, you can take it off, it's not you know, both of these things are not uh, necessary on this bike. You can take both of them off, but the down tube water bottle is more of a kind of time trial focused item and it's it's just not as easy to use a standard round bottle so kind of after one ride you know I just ended up taking it off and putting two standard bottles on because I think you know I'm sure you guys have experienced this but when you're riding in a bunch of, of other people you can't really look down to make sure you're getting the water bottle out or and or putting it back in correctly every time because that's just dangerous right you know because if someone breaks in front of you or you need to avoid a pothole you if you're looking down even for a kind of split second it's just not really safe so for me that that was a bit of a deal breaker but you know i like the idea and i think for, for people who are doing time trials or you know dabbling in triathlons and things like that you know maybe it's a bit more appropriate absolutely i think um there's an interesting point around the the storage box and and the UCI legality of of the feature, um, and how applicable it's, it is to to everyday riders. I think, to, from my opinion, they they absolutely shouldn't shouldn't care less unless they're participating in an activity governed by the UCI. Realistically, how many riders are doing that though? Um, things like the 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 storage box and they can be a practical advantage as well as a potential performance advantage by flouting these rules that aren't really applicable. I'd see that as, as totally worth it for, for the everyday rider. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd echo your thoughts, Simon, on, on what a good concept the storage box is. Yeah, I think it's funny, isn't it? Because often when you speak to time trialists, one of the things they love to point out about their bikes is the fact that 
because they're not they don't have to exist within UCI regulations. They're faster and they're better. So and and really, you know, if if that's the case, then why should your average cyclist who's not who's not competing and isn't a world tour pro have to be constrained in that way? Yeah, totally. And I think we, you know we see a lot of people love to say that their bike is you know maybe lighter than the UCI weight limit. You know, and no one looks at the UCI rulebook when they're setting up their bike for kind of fit reasons, right? Even though there are plenty of rules around, you know, how much reach you can have, how much saddle setback you must have, for example, and no one really takes those into account. But yeah, like you say, I, I know like, obviously for bike designers, they have to design a bike that's kind of within UCI rules if they want it to be raced in the world tour. And so that's fair enough. And there's a reason, therefore, that we don't see it. But obviously, as you as you say, like the majority of bikes that they're selling are going to be ridden by people who will never take part in a, in a UCI sanctioned event. So I think it's a nice thing for Obeya to be kind of you know providing those extra things and just, you know, sort of saying, oh, forget about the rules. They, you know, they just don't apply. Um, I mean, it is a nice thing. I, I personally, given current options, I would still prefer a locker slash compartment-based storage <laughs> solution in a down tube, so it's all fully hidden away. Um, that's probably because I care more about how I look than even than if it was slower. Absolutely, absolutely. As long as it looks good, Simon. <laughs> Simon, I had I had a question about the box, which I don't know if I don't think the review covered. But what what's it like inside? Do you just put stuff in? I mean. Another question I had about it was like, if you if you're cycling along, are things rattling around, or you know what's going on? So it's so on the inside, it's obviously just completely hollow. But because it because of the way it's shaped, it you know kind of it narrows down into a kind of aerofoil section at the front. It it's not as kind of it it's not as roomy as you might expect, and a lot of it is the kind of mount on the frame. And so there's there's space in there for like an inner tube, a couple of tire levers, a multi tool and you know some kind of uh tire or inner tube patches for example but you wouldn't be able to fit much else in there i i found that whenever you know when everything was kind of tightly packed in there stuff didn't rattle around so i didn't have any problems with that because i agree that that would have been a real deal breaker for me if stuff had rattled around i really don't like noisy bikes but it, it just wasn't a problem um it, it didn't ever fall off the you know the cover just kind of clips in with pressure but it, it didn't ever fall off and i didn't really have any problems with it so yeah as, as far as i was concerned you just kind of it, it it was happy to stay there i didn't i just didn't really have any problems with it at all do you think do you think people that buy one of these bikes will do what will eventually do what you did and just switch switch the bottle cage out and then take off eventually take off the the uh the fairing box type thing on the bottom I don't know. So, so obviously we, you know, we, we get comments from our audience, which we love. And someone commented on my review already, um, my written review on bikeradar.com to say that they loved the aero water bottle. And actually they had a picture of their giant propel and they had two aero water bottles on it inside the frame. Now, <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's a really fast solution. And it's quite a nice, you know, like, because, you know, one of the nice things about this water bottle is it's not proprietary to the orca aero it just mounts on standard standard water bottle cages uh mounts and so yeah you you could take it and put it on kind of any bike whether it be a time trial bike an aero bike you know whatever um but i i just don't think it's as easy to use you know especially if you've kind of got gloves on or anything the way you grab it is because it's quite thin you know for aerodynamics it's it's just not as easy to hold i didn't really get on too well 
with the way you you kind of drink from it it's just it's just it wasn't as good a water drinking experience as a standard round bottle you know and considering that's the kind of primary function of those is to kind of keep you hydrated easily it just didn't really hit the mark for me whereas i think as as you said earlier sam like the bmc time machine has a kind of down tube that's wider and uses bottle cages to manage the airflow around standard water bottles and that's something else we know like the trek madone or the cannondale system six use much wider down tubes to manage the airflow around standard water bottles and for me that's a kind of better solution you know just because you want to be able to use standard water bottles you know if you're doing an event or something where you can get a, a, a different water bottle in the middle of an event whether that's a race or a sportif or something like that you know if you've got a an aero water bottle that you're going to have to constantly fill up every time you get to a feed station or something well you're going to lose all of that time that you've saved from having an aero bottle so for me it's kind of like it's just it's not practical right it's like running maybe time trial tires for a road race like yeah sure they're faster until the point that you puncture right and so that like with road racing bikes you're never wanting to go for all out speed over everything else because you need a bit more practicality and reliability than you do with say a pure time trial bike or a triathlon bike where you know for a triathlon if you're doing a short distance triathlon you know you the, the bike leg might not be very long and therefore you you know 500 mils of water is enough but for a road race or bunch riding whatever if i'm going out for a big day in the saddle then you know i'm always taking two water bottles and especially if i'm riding in a group as i said earlier like it needs to be practical to be able to use that in a group okay well that's enough on that let's move on to the kind of the thing that was perhaps most controversial on our youtube channel because this this kind of topic always is um and you know i kind of stoked the opinions a little bit because i have you know maybe non-traditional opinions on this on this subject but let's talk about the kind of weight of the bike because i was a bit bit surprised when i reviewed it because it came in quite a lot over the kind of claimed weight that we had when the bike was launched um we'll discuss kind of why that is but the total weight for the bike without pedals but with the kind of aero bottle cage and storage box was 8.24 kilos now that's for a size 57 with a kind of standard paint job you know deep section wheels so not a kind of small bike but you know that when when you add pedals and then maybe a bike computer you know you're looking at a bike that's over eight and a half kilos on the road so Obviously, for a lot of people, for a ten thousand pound bike or ten thousand dollar bike, I should say, uh, that's quite a lot. I I personally don't think it's a, a massive deal for aero bikes, but I, I I guess there are probably different opinions out there. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, you'd you'd have to say relative to the other bikes in the genre at the moment, it, you know, like you you said in your in your review, it gives almost a kilo away to the Canyon Aero CFR, over half a kilo to plenty of other. Um, exceptional competitors so like rightly or wrongly weight is still a considerable factor for the majority of of consumers in their purchase decisions i think so there has to be a case to say that concessions need to be made for that for business sake as much as anything else what do you think stan though is this you know is if you're buying a pure aero bike and you've kind of you know you've kind of looked at the maths and you think well the you know the aero maybe outweighs the the weight or is, is this something that you know if you were parting with your money, would you feel hard done by by getting a, a bike that weighs over eight kilos for that money? 
Uh, well, my current bike weighs over eight kilos, so <laughs> so I think you know it wouldn't be. Did you spend ten thousand dollars on it though? No, I, I spent about a third of that. So I mean, <laughs> so I had a lot of leftover money. Well, I didn't have the money, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how bothered I am to be honest. I, I think I think it it kind of comes down to who's the intended rider here, who's the intended user, because if it's borrowing from a TT bike, then yeah, it makes sense that it's heavier. It's going to be heavier, and um, I, the drill's going. So I'm just going to I'm going to start it again. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, I think I think the thing is, who's who's this bike for? It's 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 design cues are coming from a TT bike. So the fact that it's over eight kilograms, it's not as heavy as a TT bike. It seems it kind of seems pretty reasonable. And it's it's what what's the intended use here? probably racing or going fast in the flat and if if you're interested in doing that then it being a bit heavier going up and your times being a bit slower going uphill doesn't seem seem like too much of a loss to me because also how, how much time you're going to be losing that's the other question yeah i mean certainly if you kind of go on a you know kind of cycling power uh modeling website for example you can put in all these numbers and see what the kind of the differences make and I, and I think you know anytime I've done that the differences between you know even even for kind of big weight differences like a kilo or something the difference in actual time even on relatively steep climbs tend to actually be quite small and of course that's with kind of all else being equal as well which is rarely the case right because yes you could you could make this bike lighter by you know switching from uh clincher slash tubeless wheels to a set of tubular wheels but because if you do that, you maybe you're you know you're losing a little bit in terms of rolling resistance as well. Because the best clinchers now tend to be faster than tubulars. And sure, you could take the aero bottle off and use standard bottles as as kind of I already as we've already discussed. But again, it probably makes the bike slower. You know, you could use lighter weight components. I'm sure like the the kind of heavier aero handlebar could probably be swapped out for something lighter. But like, again, like if it's not as aerodynamic, you know, are you actually making the bike slower? So it's it's kind of really tricky. And I agree with Sam that like when you're looking at it compared to its competitors, it's a harder thing to ignore because obviously all else being equal, you might as well have a lighter bike. But, you know, options like the Canyon Aero CFR that Sam mentioned, yes, it's, you know, it's almost a kilo lighter, but... I think for me, I'd still, if I was spending my own money, I'd probably still prefer to have the Orbea just because it maintains that level of kind of front end adjustability that I think is really valuable. Whereas, you know, part of the way the Canyon Aero shaves weight is by using a proprietary integrated handlebar setup, which, you know, obviously if that, if it fits you perfectly, then that's great. But if you, if you need, if you want a longer front end, for example, and a narrower bar than is possible with the kind of stock options, you just can't, that's it. You can't have it. So it's a, it's a kind of tricky one. I, I, I you know, I, I didn't mark it down for it because it just, it just, as, as you said, Stan, it, it, it kind of just seems like this bike is designed as, as you say, like a bit like a time trial bike. And so you're going to expect a certain amount of extra weight. Now, my time trial bike is, you know, I often like to say it's kind of like the heaviest and fastest bike that I own. And I have to keep kind of reminding myself about that just because you know, it puts you in the the right body position, right? We all know that it's the body that creates the most drag. So 
I, I couldn't mark it down in, in the sense because I think doing doing that would have gone against my own principles that weight doesn't really matter that much, you know, because obviously I'm a really lightweight guy. And if, if weight mattered all that much, I'd be absolutely rapid. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm just not. So, yeah, so it's one of those things. But like, but as, as you said, Sam, like it is clearly still something that our audience really cares about. So it was important for me to kind of you know, it's one of the easiest things to test, right? When a brand gives us a figure, it's, it's the easiest thing we can test. It's really hard for us to test the aerodynamics of a bike, but we can all get access to a scales. So, yeah, I, I think, and, and in this case as well, it is made worse by the discrepancy between the claimed weight and the and the weight in reality. Um, I mean, to have that bigger difference is unusual, although it's done by every other brand to varying degrees, isn't it? So it's not it's not like Orbea is acting out of turn here. No, and I wouldn't say, you know, they weren't lying in a sense either. So the the, the reason the for the discrepancy Orbea said is because they their that figure was based on a size fifty three centimeter bike with um a lighter like one of their kind of raw carbon clear coat paint jobs and without the storage box and aero bottle. So you know, when we weigh other bikes, we would typically weigh them without pedals and without bottle cages. But in this case, since the kind of aero bottle and storage box come with the bike, obviously I weighed the bike with those things so you know maybe that's slightly unfair but as you say a kind of 650 gram difference you know that's that's one of the bigger differences i've seen and i, and I think perhaps orbea might have been better served to have sort of you know not given a best case scenario weight when they were releasing their press materials just because it sets up a kind of expectation that you're then you know you're then going to struggle to meet when you send out bikes to consumers or you know, testers or whatever. So it's kind of just one of those things, you know, we, we, you know, we all know that most people weigh bikes without pedals, which is, you know, a bit silly considering we all need pedals to ride a bike anyway. So when we all see these kind of claimed weight figures anyway, they're always with a pinch of salt and it, it's kind of just one of those things. But, um, but yeah, there you go. I mean, it, it's funny as well, cause it's only got, you know, 50 mil deep wheels as well. And it's and the you know the bike that you're riding is, or or you you test rode was equipped with Jura Ace. It was all very very nice. Um, so I mean it could it could end up for a lot of people it could end up even heavier, right? Because they might not they might not spec Jura Ace. Well, they probably won't spec Jura Ace. And then because it's it's an aero bike, they might decide to spec slightly deeper uh, rim widths as well. Yeah, and that's definitely a consideration, and I, and I would say obviously that applies to bikes, bikes of all brands. Um, you know, that was one thing I kind of did say in in the review is that compared to say something like the Cannondale System Six, which I tested earlier this year, which has uh, you know a kind of sixty five millimeter deep wheel set with rims that are around four millimeters wider, you know that was still you know, around three hundred and fifty grams lighter than than this bike. So yeah, like. If, if you're comparing like to like and the, you know, the system six and the Orbea Orca Aero sit in a very sort of similar, you know, product category, then it's 350 grams, your extra that you're carrying around, whether those 350 grams really make that much difference in the kind of product category of pure aero road bikes. Like, I'm not really convinced it does, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to have to carry it if you don't have to. So yeah, it, it definitely, it's kind of food for thought. As I've kind of said many times on BikeRadar.com, like I really don't think the weight is as significant as you know a lot of people seem to believe it is. But at the same time, 
it's if it if it's mass that you don't need to carry, then of course it's always better not to. So yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things we did sort of touch on briefly earlier is that, that kind of adjustability, and I think that's one of the key selling points of this bike is its customization options. Now, personally, I think this is a super important thing, uh, especially for an aero road bike where you kind of, as we kind of touched on, optimizing your bike fit is really, really important because the body accounts for kind of 80% of the total system drag. So Obeya's Myo program, which essentially allows you to go in and customize uh, the spec, and then that includes you know, handlebar width, stem length, crank length and then if you want to make component upgrades to say you know change the wheel set or add a power meter or whatever it's a really cool program and obviously you can also add a custom paint job for no extra cost which is you know pretty cool um i don't know if you either of you guys have ever had a chance to play around with the tool but you know what do, what do you think of those kind of tools and and how useful do you think those are for a consumer yeah i've, I've had a go with it on a number of occasions and i just think it's a fantastic option almost whatever the riding discipline like you've got I covered the the uh, Orbea's new Terra gravel bike launch recently, and Orbea made a point of saying the bike could be dressed up or down depending on on rider needs, and and part of that was down to the a fairly versatile, sensible bike design. But actually, what sets the, that Terra apart from other gravel bike design is its is its access to that Myo program. Um, you know, it lets riders tailor the spec choice to 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 their gravel riding needs and it, it, that's pertinent because gravel's so wide ranging and uh, so off off the peg bikes aren't necessarily very likely to suit individual riders perfectly and I think it makes just as much sense here if not more sense when as you've said Simon how area you are as a rider bike system comes down so much to how well you fit on the bike this it's it's totally invaluable I think having the option to to move move the goalposts around before you buy. Yeah, I, I I agree as well. And I think one of the things that kind of surprises me about the fact that you can buy an off-the-shelf £10,000 bike is the fact that you're, it's coming with a certain set of handlebars and a certain width of handlebar and a certain saddle and a certain set of wheels. And it just seems, it seems kind of ludicrous to me that if you're going to spend that much money, you're just going to go for, one, something everyone else has, and two, you're not going to be able to specify handlebar width and or, or saddle choice or, or wheel choice so i think yeah being able to do that is a huge win i think and and I, it's also funny as well because like with integrated cockpits i mean i think when when envy released their road bike one of the things that they made a big noise about was the fact that there was x number of different variations of stem length and handlebar width and it's like well with with this system, you can you can you also have choice, but also down the line, if you have this bike for a year, or a couple of years, you're not you're not locked in. You're not locked into um, having a proprietary handlebar, which just makes so much sense. Why wouldn't you? Why would you not go for that? Yeah. So and and I totally agree with that. And and in their press releases, well, it was might have been the presentation, but Orbea made a big point to sort of say that. They'd sort of done the internal testing and in their, in their testing, the difference between a fully integrated handlebar and a non-integrated handlebar when they designed them correctly, you know, it was only one or two watts at kind of 45 kilometers per hour. So the gain isn't massive. Now, 
there might be a kind of associated weight gain because you know they're using a kind of aluminium stem and a carbon handlebar and obviously there's extra parts like bolts and and, and obviously you have to overbuild the stem handlebar interface a little bit to make it you know obviously not get crushed so there might be a weight gain associated with it but for me as, as you kind of say that adjustability especially if you're spending that much money that adjustability is really key and and yeah like you like you like you just said stan i, I think you know, many people, if you're spending that much money, like maybe you've had a, a good bike fit and, and, you know, you know exactly what you want, but also you might not know exactly what you want. And if you're just kind of, you know, maybe you you get like a kind of 40 centimeter handlebar now, but then yeah, six months down the line, you, you know, you read one of my excellent articles on bikeradar.com and you think, oh, you know, maybe I'd like to try a 36 centimeter handlebar, <laughs> you know, and if, as you say, if you spent all your money on a really ex expensive integrated handlebar then that could cost you a lot of money to replace if that option is even available right yeah totally i mean once once everyone's heard and read your amazing article Simon, <laughs> and, and and everyone's riding everyone's riding around on 26 centimeter handlebars they're going to be hitting their foreheads wondering you know what they're what they're supposed to do with their integrated cockpits yeah yeah, well, you know, and I think, you know, it's it's not an insignificant gain either. Just to sort of put it in some context, if, if you're talking to uh, aerodynamic experts, I've heard figures quoted that the difference between, say, a 42 centimetre handlebar and a 36 centimetre handlebar at kind of race speeds of 45 kilometres per hour could be around 12 watts, which is, you know, the difference between the uh, new Orbea Orca and the old Orbea Orca were said to be around 15 watts. So you you know you're getting as kind of like a bigger jump in performance as a kind of generation to generation of bike just by swapping your handlebar width potentially. So it's not it's kind of low hanging fruit, but it doesn't mean it's a inconsider inconsiderable gain. So I think it's great that um, Orbea have kept that adjustability. Now forgive me because I. This is no doubt something you've covered in one of the aforementioned fantastic articles. But <laughs> is is narrower handlebars a one size fits all solution in that unequivocally, no matter who you are, you'll go faster with a narrower handlebar? What if you've got really wide shoulders? So the people I, the experts that I have spoken to, um, seem to think that it is pretty much unequivocal and you know we're seeing on the track for example uh, uh, olympic track sprinters are using sub 30 centimeter handlebars now even if they're you know you know built like rugby players so i i think it's just because it narrows your frontal area even if you've got very broad shoulders bringing your hands in still narrows your frontal area so the gains and obviously you know the faster you're going the kind of bigger the kind of pure wattage gains are and and but it's a kind of is as long as it kind of doesn't cause you any fit issues or any handling issues. And in, in my experience, I haven't had any, but I obviously can't vouch for everyone. Um, then yeah, it's essentially a pretty much a win. So I, that's a, personally, I, I don't use anything wider than 36 centimeters anymore, but you know, for me, that's the kind of, that's normal now. Like, like Stan said, I've, I've, I've spent a little bit of time using 26 centimeter handlebars this year, and I've gone back up to 36 just for a little bit more accessory space on the top of the handlebar. But otherwise I got on with them perfectly fine. So yeah, it obviously I, you know, I can't definitively say for everyone and, and you, you know, you'd have to do some wind tunnel or velodrome testing to, to know for sure. But the, the, yeah, the experts that I've spoken to seem to be pretty, convinced that it's a pretty it's a pretty much a set gain for most people wow okay 
I guess as a, a conversation for another time, but I'd be interested to hear more about the, the effects of comfort in terms of vibration dissipation, because obviously there's less less length of, of carbon to, or, or aluminium to dissipate any um, any forces there. Uh, and, and, and leverage, how, how is it a sort of out of the saddle, steep climb? So, so in, that's, in that's that the, yeah. So for 36 centimeter handlebars, I don't find there's any difference in terms of leverage personally, but with the 26 centimeter handlebars, that is the one area where the, the leverage it, it does is noticeably less comfortable because you're just climbing with your ha- your hands so close together. It just feels a bit more awkward. It's not like a huge issue. And I think one of the things that I said in, in my kind of deep dive into it was that if you really wanted that efficiency gain, you could also make sure you geared down and then just, you can spin up the climbs and, you know, cause that's typically more efficient than climbing out of the saddle anyway. But if you're the type of rider who likes to climb out of the saddle, then that might be a consideration like for leverage in terms of sprinting and things like that. Like, as I said, like Olympic and world champion sprinters are using them on the track. So I, I, I think, the kind of role that leverage plays with road and track bikes is maybe a bit like weight, a little bit overplayed in the sense that you, you know, we tend to steer by leaning and steer from the back. You know, you don't, yes, the turning circle, the size of the turning circle is kind of changed, but typically you'd run a narrower handlebar with a slightly longer stem. So that, that, you know, makes up some of the difference, but also you you rarely really just, you know, turn the handlebars left to right to make turns it's not on a mountain bike you do it much more because you know you're making like very sharp turns maybe at slower speeds but it's not quite the same and and so generally i found that just wasn't a problem like you you know you kind of it feels ridiculous and it looks ridiculous for the first five minutes but then you kind of just kind of get used to it and you you ride along as normal and i said if i ever have to ride a bike with you know 44 centimeter handlebars now it feels insane but (laughs) (laughs) it's just what you're used to sure sure okay I think the uh, listeners will have to forgive us here. We've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but hopefully it's all interesting. Well, if you are interested in that, uh, like I will, I'll obviously be sending Sam the link. He can read my, <laughs> you know, many, many, many words article on kind of, you know, how narrow is too narrow for handlebars. We, you know, I did a I did a kind of in-depth feature on it where I, I spoke to a few experts uh, and we also did a, a YouTube video on it as well. So if you're kind of interested in that sort of experiment, well worth a look on bikeradar.com or on our YouTube channel. Um, so to kind of wrap up on the Orbea Orca Aero again, like, you know, what do you, what do you guys think? I thought it was a pretty great bike. You know, I gave it four and a half out of five stars. You know, what do you, what are kind of, what do you guys think of it? Where did I, where did I go wrong with my review and, or what would you have changed about the bike? Do you think? Um, I mean, obviously I haven't ridden the bike, but firstly, it looks amazing. And then from, from the sound of your review and, uh, YouTube video it sounds like it's an amazing bike to ride and it sounds like it's horribly quick as well and as someone who likes going horribly quick it sounds like a very attractive bike um I think like I think one of my one of my thoughts or something I've come away from reading review thinking is like it seems like this bike maybe it's maybe it's just an inevitability with with full fat aero bikes like this but there seems to be a bit a few kind of trade-offs going on with it i mean i'm I'm kind of surprised by the 50 mil wheels I probably want something deeper if i'm going to the lengths of having a full aero frame and um 
also the thing with the with the uh, aero water bottle and the lunchbox and the down tube. It's kind of I I am coming away from it wondering who this bike's really for. You know, uh, is is it for racing? Well, it's not UCI legal. Probably can't turn up to. I mean, can you turn up to a time trial with that box? No. You can t- you so you can turn up to a CTT time trial with that box, and and obviously the bike would be UCI legal if you took the the box off. I think you know like the kind of system six it, it, it yeah it's targeted at road racers who do kind of flat and rolling courses maybe sprinters that sort of thing like i, I think it's an maybe it's an interesting industry point but i think kind of like you've alluded to there stan like uci legal race bikes have kind of moved away from this pure aero bike thing towards the more kind of aero and lightweight combined because that's what the pros want to ride but i think you know i do have a kind of respect for the brands who respect the maths and uh, sort of say this is the faster bike regardless of what you know maybe the world tour pros believe so it's a kind of it's an interesting one because because i agree with you like people still really care about weight whether they're world tour pros or amateurs or you know just kind of general consumers doing you know saturday runs with their mates people really really care about weight and so it's it's kind of yeah maybe it's a hard sell if it this is one of the heavier bikes that i've tested recently and so i I do think you know as as i kind of said in the video i do think it will be a sticking point for many people oh yeah i i agree with you so i I like it i appreciate its premise and obey's commitment to to the aero design i like that the the bike and and things like the and bikes like the the Ribble Ultra they seem dedicated to moving the aero bike genre forward when you know with the with the rise of the tarmac SL7 the that sort of genre seemed seemed to be on its way towards stagnation if not obsolescence um, but for me personally it's just too uncompromising I think I, something to keep it on brand with Orbea something like their OMX uh, Orca OMX make makes more sense for the riding I like to do where it's well balanced across the board. Um, it just comes down to a, like a head versus heart thing for me. I think I'd like to think I'm relatively clued up on the objective benefits of aerodynamic efficiency and, and recognize and appreciate its value to performance. But personally, as I'm not a competitive rider, I ride for the enjoyment of riding bikes. Um, a big factor as you as you mentioned, um, is the subjective feeling of a bike and it weight something that's lightweight often feels so much more rewarding to me and engaging to ride, despite my average speed potentially being a little bit lower. Um, and it means it that influences my opinion to to the point that the the this bike isn't something that I would look to buy. Um, I'm very sorry, Simon. I know that means our <laughs> our, our friendship now has to come to an end. But oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll forgive you. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> you know, if we ever go riding together, I'll probably just, hopefully this makes means you're easier to drop, Sam. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not about the bike that makes it easier to drop. Yeah, I, I think that head versus heart thing is an interesting thing because I think that you can you can like wade into lots of science about what's what's faster what saves what but a lot of people are gonna are gonna love the fact of uh, the feel of a fast bike anyway right like i don't i don't race but i've spent time on aero bikes and i've absolutely loved bombing around as as fast as i possibly can so um whether that means i'd actually 
spend £10,000 on this aero bike is another question, but I definitely understand how it's an attractive proposition. Yeah, I think that's where I fall on it too. Like, I, I think I really like the, the feeling of kind of going fast. And so when you get on those pure aero road bikes, they just have that different ability to kind of just sail along a little bit, especially if you get that kind of cross tailwind with deep section wheels. It, it just feels extraordinary. Um, so yeah uh, whereas like i suppose it's, it's it's a really tricky one because i know like 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 you said sam it's all really subjective and so when i'm going like, like i said I'm, I'm a reasonably light guy you know i'm like 65 kilos or so and so when i'm going uphill i never really feel heavy no matter the bike so it's kind of one of those things where for me it just i i don't ever feel like the bike is 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 ever the kind of thing holding me back on the hills rather than just you know how hard i can turn the pedals <laughs> yeah that's it's just total opposite for me simon i'm i'm north of 85 kilos so it's definitely the bike that makes me feel light and good at climbing <laughs> yeah and i suppose that's the difficulty of obviously when we're reviewing right like it, it obviously yeah like, like with all of these reviews we, you know if, when we can get some objective data involved you know we will always try to do that but it's a lot of this stuff is is very subjective but um but hopefully anyone who's kind of read my review you know, will read it in the kind of context of the other reviews i've done and that gives you a picture on you know on on the kind of the overall where i'm coming from so um yeah well i think we'll we'll leave it there chaps so thanks very much for joining me today it's been an interesting discussion it has indeed lovely to speak to you about yeah it's been great thanks Cool. And as always, if you haven't already, don't forget to check out my review of the new Orbea Orca Aero on BiteRadar.com and the video on our YouTube channel. Obviously, if you have any spicy comments, do let me know what you think. I will respond to them. I love to do that. So do let me know what you think. And as always, don't forget to like this podcast, uh, subscribe to it if you would like to. And um, that's it for now. So until next time, thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.